Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside someone's long-awaited Locked On Bucks debut. Someone that's helped me along the way since I've sort of dove into this media world. And also someone that, let me just say, anyone that's a Bucks fan, it would have been absolutely impossible for you not to have read this man's work. He's been doing it for years and years and years over at Behind the Buck Pass. Adam McGee, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm honored to be on game. I, I had a thought earlier yesterday. I was like, I haven't been on Lockdown Books in any iteration before, have I? And I, I don't think I have, so I'm very excited to be here. Well, Eric used to run a pretty tight ship. And <laughs> I, I think, you know, if you got on here, you, you had to consider yourself very lucky. Whereas I've come on board and we've had a pandemic where I had to come up with <laughs> four months of episodes that I wasn't expecting. And Listen, I, I, I understand people, people don't want to hear my voice every day. They want to hear people that they actually read and respect and, and love their opinions online. And you're certainly one of those people. So it's about time we got you on. But it's uh, 10.30 p.m. for you. It's 7.30 a.m. for me. Uh, I've just woke up and saw a, I, I, again, I'm not sure if I really want to call it an update. We had the episode yesterday with Justin Garcia. If you didn't catch that, you can go back and listen to that. We discussed all things Giannis and... Basically, I said that from the digging I did and from the text message I sent, the response I got back was that they just caught up and had lunch and had some discussions. And I think basically that's the report we got back. They were talking about what could potentially happen. But ultimately, it still feels that all this conversation is based around the future for the Bucks. It still just feels like a good thing, something very normal and something that uh, you should feel positive about. Yeah, I think it would be a lot more concerning if Giannis didn't want to know about the future mm-hmm. of the books at this point. Like, that's... I, I know there's multiple different uh, vested interests if we go across the kind of wider NBA and NBA fan bases. And you could choose to take these reports the way you like. We obviously fall down on one side, but I do think if you're kind of taking what has been reported so far to the letter there's not really anything all that unusual about this. It's only getting reported because this is assumed to be two-time MVP and the defensive player of the year. And every, every team in the NBA would like to think they have the chance to get him. Whether anyone other than the books does still kind of remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean, as someone who was awake during the news cycle today, <laughs> you really didn't miss anything that we didn't already know a day or two ago. So probably the biggest thing that came out of this was that Giannis well first of all we should mention that yes and and I'm going to I'm not going to Woj I'm going to our friend Matt Velasquez who had the story over the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and uh, of course there was mention of the luxury tax I mean you know at at this point when there's any talk about the luxury tax I mean it's kind of a given if you're keeping Giannis so again there's, mm-hmm. just, there's just not much there. I mean, the big news about the luxury tax was last year. 
the time has come and gone now. So I, I saw a bunch of people sort of saying, wow, they said they were going to, and it's like, well, of course they will. Like, what else are they going to do? Like, this is, they've been towing the line with the cap for, for with the tax for a long time. Uh, this is something that has to happen. But the vacation, Giannis is going on a vacation, which, by the way, I heard that the MVP was going to be awarded this week, which I'm kind of disappointed about because if Giannis is going on a vacation, maybe he's going to Greece. I was thinking we could, we could hook up a Zoom link or something with him on a boat uh, in, in Greece or something like that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of jokes. There's going to be a lot of people making fun of the fact that he's not in the playoffs when he receives this award. He could at least throw it back on everyone by being in a beautiful location in Greece somewhere. Yeah, he could. I think more likely, I'm sorry to rain your parade on this, <laughs> he he may just have some sort of pre-recorded thing from his home in Milwaukee that's kind of there and waiting with TNT for whenever they want to announce the award. Maybe maybe even a pre-recorded thing from the bubble. I don't know. Um, depending if they wanted someone to present it to him. But yeah, you're, you're right. He could certainly, you know, he could have the last laugh. Okay, I'm not in the bubble, but none of you are here kind of thing if he decided to take the presentation on the road on vacation with him. So I saw a tweet just before I went to sleep last night. It was from Hoops Hype, and they said, if the Clippers lose to the Nuggets, which, by the way, I watched the replay of that game six yesterday, and I also mentioned this. I can't believe how demoralizing that loss was for the Clippers. Shout out to our friend Pratik Patel, uh, who is a long-suffering Clippers fan. But... This was a really bad loss to the Clippers, but the Hoops Hype tweet said, if the Clippers lose game seven, this would be the biggest playoff disappointment since when? And I said, since a week ago, when the one seed lost to the five, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, I didn't even understand this. We are a week on. It's hard to believe that it's only been a week. Uh, obviously, we haven't chatted extended ex- about that series, about everything that went down. Uh, as everything sort of settles and the dust settles on, on the disappointment and everything that went down, where's your head at in regards to the Bucks? Uh, whether it is that series, whether it's moving forward, let's just uh, throw some thoughts together here. Oh, nice, easy question. <laughs> I mean, I recorded uh, my first podcast earlier today since the series finished, and part of that was wanting to leave it a few days. I know you, you don't necessarily have the luxury of leaving <laughs> podcasts a few days, but leaving a few days to kind of just get my head together on it and in recording earlier the thing that really happened and wasn't planned i was recording with my co-host and good friend i'm sure a lot of listeners will know jordan tresky a former guest on lockdown books too i believe Mm -hmm. and really what happened is sure we talked about you know the kind of the key touchstones of okay you have Bud's performance and his decisions with his rotation. You have Bledsoe and where his series ended up. You have Giannis and his struggles before that. Kind of a, a lot of the the main touchstones that people have been going to. But it also just kind of spiraled into this conversation that really takes in the last, I mean, not even just the entire Budenholzer era, but going back further. Because when you start to think about, okay, well, how did that happen? Why did that happen? How does it get to a point where the books really look like they've only got seven playable guys in a playoff series. Well, part of that goes back to the draft picks and part of that goes to the draft picks that were traded to get off of bad contracts. So there is a kind of, for me, the further we get away from it, it's a feeling of the books have done an exceptional job of patching up kind of, you know, a leak here or a leak there in terms of what their, what their roster had over the past two years, certainly. Uh, we all know it was a different story with different problems before that. 
But with how this series played out, there was an element, too, of a lot of things coming back to haunt them. And all of those issues kind of exacerbated what Coach Bud's playoff problems generally are, or what Bledsoe's playoff problems generally are, or how Yana struggles against a wall defense like the Heat implemented. So just without a little bit of distance, I'm already kind of forgetting, like particularly game five, like I think we all felt game four was a real steal and okay, that was great. But without Giannis, there was only so far this was going to go. Specifics of game five are now just, they're escaping me. I feel like I don't need to remember that game anymore, but there's a kind of bigger picture issue and it's one that, to me, then does. You're asking, well, what about future books? Thoughts? I think it spills over into this summer because some of the issues that led them to the point where, you know, you're bringing in a very good player who had a good season, but a veteran player towards the tail end of his career, like Wesley Matthews, you're bringing him in to be a starter, to be a really essential player. The same kind of issues that bring it to that point are only going to get even worse now. And that's even in best case scenario where Yana signs a supermax because as you alluded to already, like the luxury tax and we could talk about, Oh, they're going to go into the luxury tax. They were banking on it because Yana supermax was going to take them all the way there anyway. So there's kind of a weird thing where for all of the success we've seen over the last two years, I'm feeling the, the mistakes are maybe not even all mistakes, but the moves that didn't pay off before that, and then kind of mapping that to, well, what's going to come next? And I see a lot of the same challenges facing the books. All right, Adam, let's talk about our friends over at rockauto.com because there's never really been a better time to keep your car in good shape, to maintain your car and use the money for other important things like, like the mortgage or maybe something a little closer to my heart like food. But rockauto.com is a family business. Uh, they've been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. If you need to go to rockauto.com, which you should today, you can search for all the parts available for your car or truck. All you have to do is write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know you came from us. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. This is why I think I've tried to take a step back from the, uh, I, I think I can use the word rage from Bucks fans mm-hmm. in regards to Mike Budenholzer because, uh, yes, n- no doubt, we've seen stuff that you should be frustrated about are those playoff limitations that he seems to have going to continue to plague him throughout his coaching career. I'm not sure. We know that he's one of the best of the best when it comes to the regular season. We've seen that. But I remember back to a, a year ago even when the Bucks were able to bring back the bulk of this roster. I think certainly there was some unrest let's say about the decision with Malcolm Brogdon but I think for the most part we looked at this and I remember thinking to myself well they've done a pretty remarkable job to patch up the mistakes and it was Mm -hmm. exactly what you're talking about and I thought geez they've done a really really damn good job to to put a a good roster in in front of Giannis or around Giannis 
But you look at some of those draft picks, and again, Dante DiVincenzo, there's still a question mark there. Clearly, the last three games that we saw from him were extremely positive. They leave you walking away with, with good memories about Dante rather than the rest of the bubble experience. I think overall, he had a fantastic season. But you go back to 2017, DJ Wilson, I think at this point, most of us are looking at that $4.5 million next year and saying, this guy's not going to play. Yeah. That's, that's not a good spot to be in with him. That one hasn't worked out. 2016, Thon Maker, we know that one. That absolutely did not work out. Uh, then you go back even further, Rashad Vaughan. Then you go back before that, it was Jabari Parker, which was unfortunate, but that one was a failure as well. So after Giannis, there was four straight drafts of first-round draft picks that just did not work out at all. And then you've got Dante, who, again, when you're picking at pick 17, this is what you're looking for. You're looking for a guy that can have an impact, but very rarely are you going to get the home run that the Bucks did with Giannis, which... Yes, again, I don't like to, to take all credit away from him, but certainly a little bit of luck there with the guy that they got and the work rate he has. So drafting has been a huge problem, and we've always spoke about this, that if you want to be a contender and you look through a lot of the contenders and literally just look at the team that just beat the Bucks with a guy like Duncan Robinson playing such a huge impact. Tyler Hero was in there as well. Drafting is key to success, and now the Bucks. the biggest problem for me when I look at the roster, and I've mentioned this before, is that the guys that you spoke about, Wesley Matthews, huge impact on the team, but at this point, limited player. Marvin Williams, really good impact in the team. I was, I was kind of surprised that he retired. I thought he was going to be back again next year, but also a pretty limited player, particularly offensively. And this is sort of the, the spot you pigeonhole yourself into when you have such a high salary on these guys that at the moment hasn't quite worked out for you this year, uh, backing up from last year. The only room you have is for, for basically limited guys. I mean, they're veteran min contract guys for a reason, and that's why this summer is going to be so difficult. Or I shouldn't say this summer. This offseason is going to be so difficult for the Bucks to work their way through this. And again, why you would be having plenty of conversations with Giannis and, and talking through it all together. Yeah, and it's a, it's a vicious circle too because the more the books have found themselves in really a brutal spot in terms of the cap, mm-hmm the more they've needed the opportunities to maybe find another home run in the draft to maybe if it's not a star, if it's not a superstar, just to, you know, basically strike a lucky and get really good role players, guys who, again, it comes back to that you're in a playoff series that you're not looking at six, seven year guys and saying they can't play because that was one of the things that I know I've written about. I talked on the podcast earlier and I'll do it again. Like, Bud deserves a lot of flack for how he coached this series and a lot of his decisions. But one of the things from early in the series was something which I guess has been building for quite a long time. And you know it, all book fans know it. It's this preference to go deep into the rotation. It's the preference to run certainly like 11 deep in a regular season. But even in the playoffs, he's going 9, 10 deep and he's going there early. And Certainly in the early games against the Heat, there was a lot of attention on this before you even got to the minutes totals, which is a different matter and a bigger problem in its own right. But I think as, as I'm kind of a, a pain to point out at this point, the Heat matched them in terms of just how deep they went with guys every single game. The difference is the Heat didn't have to play anyone off their bench just eight minutes. They could play everyone like upwards of 20 minutes, some guys into the 30, 34 minutes off the bench. So the Heat were going nine deep on the nights the books were going nine deep, but because of their drafting, because of some good deals around the fringes, you know, they were able to do that and have 
players on the floor who you were comfortable with and could contribute on both ends. Like as the books have had to dive into the, we need specialists to fill out the roster. You're getting one way specialists, you know, Kyle Corver. Sure. Kyle Corver can come in and shoot the lights out and win you a game here, there. And that's great. But then you've got, well, what's going to happen on the defensive end? Wesley Matthews is kind of the flip side of that. He's not as limited offensively, but in games where his tree isn't falling, it gets pretty dicey very, very quickly, particularly compared to something like where the books were a year ago when they did have Malcolm Brogdon, who could offer different looks and different kind of avenues to attack as well. So it, it is with that. It's, it's crazy to go through the names that you mentioned that think back, but like someone like Rashad Vaughn, he'd be a fifth year player. You know, if, if you signed someone, if you drafted someone with that pick that really panned out and was useful and you'd retained them on another deal, or you, had them towards the end of the rookie deal where they were a valuable trade chip that you could recoup some assets. Like this is just what the books haven't been able to do at all. Not alone, let alone develop young players, but actually turn some young players that, yeah, he's good. He's not great. Maybe we don't need him. Let's swap him for someone else. It's just, it hasn't been there. And as time has gone on, it's just getting tougher and tougher to find those deals. And that's going to, that's going to feed into what I think is going to be, I'm not going to say it's not going to be a busy offseason, but I think it's going to be a very challenging, possibly frustrating, and I'd say almost certainly a very different offseason to what a lot of Bucks fans are expecting in kind of floating out big-name trade targets, big-name point guard targets, because just those deals aren't going to be that easy for the Bucks to pull off. And just to, to go back to the draft, I mean, <laughs> you mentioned those guys, and I, and I think, you know, we see it all the time. There's teams draft guys that it doesn't quite pan out, but before their rookie contract is over, you can potentially recoup some of those funds, get some assets back, work some, work some good deals. And this has been the unfortunate thing about a lot of these guys that the Bucks have drafted. Obviously, Rashad Vaughn, I don't know what he was doing. He was cooking chicken or something. And then I actually went to a couple of summer leagues and he was randomly on the Heat one year. And then he was on yeah, some other right. team. And, I, and I, I said this, I've never seen a happier guy in my life. Just He was just so happy mm-hmm. to be there. He was bricking shots left, right and center, but he was having a great time. Uh, Rashad Vaughn, shout out to him. But they got nothing for him, obviously. I didn't think they could have got anything for him, even if they tried. Jabari Parker, obviously, they ended up just letting him go. That's a number two pick that was gone in a couple of years. You get nothing for that. Even Malcolm Brogdon last year. Yes, now it's mm-hmm. going to be pick 24. But you, you know, the chances of you getting a player as good as Malcolm Brogdon, I, I'm skeptical. We'll see. We'll see what happens with this pick. We'll see what they try and do with it. You know, but again, this is a deal that on the surface right now looks like you haven't got value back for that. Uh, or you have saved the luxury tax. We know that we can get into that. People will, people will lose their minds. But Thon Maker is the other one. Bunch of second round picks. Obviously, Miritich comes here. He's a guy that you hope brings you a championship, but he didn't. And then he didn't stay and he left straight away. So that's a top 10 pick that's gone. Obviously, it hasn't worked out for Thon Maker, but I will maintain that if he had stayed in the Bucks, just being in this system, being with this really good team, there would have still been intrigue around him that maybe down the line you could have done something with him. So that was a trade is, that... Is there, am, some, is there some Australian bias peeking through there, Kane? I, I think... It, well, I've always said, and yes, there probably is, first of all, but I've always <laughs> said that for him, for Thonmaker career-wise, it was an absolute catastrophic error for him sure. to go to a bad team. At that just, point as well, there was no logic to it to be, no. I want out of this good situation to go somewhere else where I'm probably going to look worse. I mean, to, to me, he was just the guy that 
had some good moments for the Bucks, but he had some good moments because of where he was. And particularly even last season, he had some good games, but it was like, yeah, well, you're on a really, really good team. Are you really sure you want to go to a bad team like the Pistons? Mm-hmm. And eventually he's been beaten out by Christian Wood, who was he was playing ahead of at the Bucks. So, I mean, none of it made sense for him. But I do think if he stayed, Milwaukee maybe could have done something with him because people might have looked at him and said, oh, well, he's, he's had some good playoff moments. He's on a really good team. Yeah, he's behind Brook Lopez. Uh, let's give you something, Bucks. We'll give you something for that. So maybe would they have got better than the deal that they got? I don't know. But either way, uh, it ultimately ended up with, with nothing coming back Milwaukee's way. So, so not only have the draft picks not worked out, they've just got nothing back. They've just been complete waste. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was my... I was... I, I hate to bring up Brogdon because it just feels like such kind of a flashpoint for Bucks fans. I can just sense people getting angry one way or another <laughs> when Brogdon comes up. But that was the issue I had a year ago was, okay, even if people can take away, you know, whatever you might think of his game, it was not great in terms of asset management because – Right now, like right now, where we are, where we could talk about, okay, well, can the Bucks get Chris Paul? Can they get Drew Holiday? Can they get mm-hmm. Mike Conley? Whoever you want to go after. Like, Eric Bledsoe's stock is not very high. Also, the good contract you signed, and it was a relatively good contract, isn't necessarily working in your favor. So you find yourself in a spot where to match salaries, you might have to put in George Hill as well, who's someone that you'd actually quite like to keep because the goal of upgrading a point guard is not to lose your backup as well and then just have like a 35-year-old guy as the only point guard on the roster. I think that's part of the interesting thing is the books could have had their doubts about Brogdon. Brogdon certainly could have had his misgivings about being on a team where he didn't feel the point guard spot was open. I think the two parties could have come to terms. The books could have decided to match, paid the tax, and that's what it would have taken. They could have done a lot of, if not all of what they had done with some negotiating otherwise, paid the tax, brought him back, even with doubts, because there would have been the possibility that a year later you could flip him. And he was certainly a player at that point, and is still certainly a player that in spite of his many flaws, in spite of the the red flags over his injury history, you'll find a team interested in him, which is more than can be said for, you know, every other player on the books roster who isn't a part of, you know, your core plans. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> I mean, you, you could go on endlessly about the broken one. And, and I've been someone, and I, I'm not going to contradict myself now, I've been someone right from the start that said, you know, I uh, 100% understand why they went down the path they did. I don't necessarily think Brogdon was a guy that would have flipped this series either. I, I'm not someone that believes mm-hmm. that. But, no way of knowing. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you that, again, you know, and maybe this is where a, a lot of Bucks fans are angry, but I do feel that it's more about the on-court stuff than the off-court stuff. But I just think, again, this big picture stuff going back into previous years, some mistakes that, that are, are with this ownership, with this GM, and to be fair, quite a few that are not with John Horst. And that also Absolutely. needs to be uh, made very clear here. So it, this is just what happens. As you sort of said, Adam, it snowballs over years and, and that's why the Bucks find themselves at this critical point right now. And I, I look, I have no doubt that they understand the situation of where the Bucks are at and they're going to do what they can. But it just this hopefully just outlines why it's going to be a little more difficult than, than simply flipping a couple of trades and uh, jumping on the, the trade machine and, and seeing what you like. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Bucks, but I have no doubt uh, 
it's going to be interesting. Let me just say that there's going to be lots of rumors. Mm-hmm. There's going to be lots of talks, perhaps more than we're used to uh, as people that uh, take an interest in the Bucks. But Adam, before I wrap this up, we're going to talk about you a little bit. So okay. I don't know if that's something you like doing, but it's it's not. But we're going to do it. So we're going to, we're going to do it. So you, you're wrapping up with behind the Buck Pass, and I said this at the top, but. Um, I, I've been doing this or writing and talking for, for even less, but writing for a couple of years. And I, I remember you know, reaching out to you a few times over the, the journey for whether it be advice or just you know, run some things by you. And, and you've always been really kind to me, which I, I've always appreciated. But I, I said this to you yesterday when I reached out. I, I just cannot believe how long you've been doing this job for, the amount of work you've put in. Um, I certainly thank you for everything you've done. Bucks fans, I know they absolutely do just from reading the tweet that you put out the other day, but you're wrapping up there. What's, what's going on? Uh, it's just, it's a grind. And yeah. I think you'll understand this better than maybe anyone else that could have this conversation with. Uh, you've been lucky enough to be on the ground in Milwaukee and that certainly takes some of it, but I know you've done your fair share of trying to stay on top of this from home, from Australia, from an entirely different time zone. So I've, I mean, I've been kind of riding on and off with the NBA one way or another for close to eight years now, but it's coming up. It's not far off six years. It was the very beginning of 2015. I think the first books game I wrote about Kenyon Martin was the star man (laughs) on the night. Uh, He had just signed up on his 10 day contract that before things turned sour, uh, he had one or two kind of Nice, nice moments that started off my book's tenure in a very different place to where it would ultimately end up with the kind of things we're talking about and expecting the team. But yeah, really, I've been doing it for a long time, um, writing, editing every single day at Behind the Book Pass. I would say if I've had 10 like full days off in total in that time, that would be, I might be, I might be overestimating it. So it's just a grind, and it's the nature of the NBA. It's a day-to-day, 365-day-to-year sport for as much as games aren't done for so much of that. Um, it's the nature of the kind of the blogging world and trying to, to make that work and cover it, that that's how it works. And I don't think any kind of human being is cut out to do, uh, like, let's say, 3 a.m., and that's an early kind of finish for a game and then be up to make sure articles have gone up by like 7 a.m. Uh, central time so people in Milwaukee on their way to work or whatever can get to see it. So it's been years and years of doing that. It's it's really never been the, the focal point of my life. I tried to make writing and writing about the NBA specifically kind of a full-time thing on a few occasions. I considered some of the the pretty brave and gutsy decisions you've made and kind of overall I went, I don't think so. I don't think it's for me and I wasn't convinced about how it would pan out for me. And because of that, as much as, I mean, everyone knows me for the books and being there day in, day out for so many years, it's, it's kind of just been a part of my life and there's been full-time jobs, there's been part-time jobs, there's been tons of other freelance things. I've, gone through college done a master's in all those years so there's been a lot of other stuff on top of it and ultimately it just kind of it felt like the right time and it's felt like it for a while uh the four months of podcasting through the pandemic that you mentioned like that's the same for writing when you're trying to write one or two articles a day and that's probably (laughs) really just kind of final nail in the coffin but it's it's been a great run and i've loved not every minute of it but close to every minute of it but it's just kind of 
there, I think there's a time, <laughs> there's a time to step out and there's certainly a time that anyone themselves will know, okay, I've done enough here. And that, that definitely feels like now for me. Yeah. So I think the, the important thing to note here, and this is why I, I just simply cannot believe how long you've done this is that, um, and, and yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe I, I do understand because right now I'm trying to make this full time, but I'm, I'm really just fortunate that I'm in a position where I came home. I had family to stay with. I, I don't, I, I've, I've got a bit of a cushion. This is the point I'm trying to mm-hmm. make. Whereas, um, you know, I, I think it's lost on some people when they see maybe how much work you're doing, how much writing you're doing. They're like, Oh yeah, that's his job. It's no, yeah. you, you've, you've got other, other jobs. And I've certainly been in the position and most days I'm in the position where I'm like, is this realistic? Can I actually continue to do this? Or am I just gonna have to throw the towel in at some point and give it up? And, um, for you to do it for as long as you did. And it's honestly, I, I again, I said it, but I, I thank you for everything you've done. I've always enjoyed reading your stuff. Uh, I think most importantly for Bucks fans, you are still, and you've mentioned the podcast a few times and, and I don't know whether, you know, you feel that it's um, something you can't mention, but uh, you, you really have to mention the name of this. No, podcast. don't worry. I, <laughs> I wasn't getting out of here without a plug. It. Don't worry. Good. good. Um, <laughs> Go, no, you I am. No, you're right. I've uh, as much as this is an end to the road for me in terms of blogging. Uh, it's it's not from a book's perspective. Like I think that's that's something that's kind of I want people to understand. I think some people maybe didn't quite get it when I yeah. when I first announced it. But the podcast, Win and Six podcast, which myself and Jordan Tresky host, it's going to continue. If anything, it may become a little bit more regular because at least on my part, yeah. I, I won't have all the other time commitments. So we've, we've had a kind of rough two years and just in terms of keeping it as, uh, as consistent as you would like, maybe that will change. I'll still be watching every books game. I'll still be tweeting about the books probably much more than is good for me. And I'll still be around. I've got other books ideas. Who knows what comes about at what time, but uh, no, it's it's something that like I came into this and it, it could have been another team that I ended up covering in the way I did quite easily and it ended up being the Bucks and that in itself was, was a blessing of sorts because I've got to know so many great people and it's probably worth not losing sight of because I know the last couple of years have brought out some different kind of vibes and some just a more intense time and um, some different kind of feelings could come out but I've had experience of kind of writing about teams across multiple different fan bases and the fans in Milwaukee, the books fans have easily been the best and the most supportive. And I mean that genuinely. And that's, that's won me over to a point where I have never been in Milwaukee. Unlike you, um, I have never been. It's something that whenever the world decides to get back to something, even maybe closely resembling normal, I'll look to address, but it's a place I feel like a deep attachment to just for the amount of people I know from there. So the people in Milwaukee, the state of Wisconsin, um, over the last few years, it's it's something that's kind of grown quite dear to me in the weirdest way possible without ever having been there. So it is, it's it's funny how that goes, but because of that as much as anything else, I mean, there's too many people I have too much fun with to kind of just say, oh, I'm out of this. So I will very much still be around winning six podcasts and I'll be on Twitter and who else, who knows where else over the years I might pop up. Well, I hope I hope we can all get back there at some time in the near future. I, I certainly understand the feeling that you have. Um, before I went back, uh, before I went there for the first time in 2015, I, I felt very much the same. 
And pretty much as soon as I was there, and as soon as I was at the Bradley Center and walking around, I was like, okay, I'm like, I, I, this this place makes me feel happy because there's so many memories. I've spent so much time watching this team, caring mm-hmm. about this team, and never coming to this city. So I, I think that's why for me, Milwaukee has become such a second home. And when I get back there, particularly when I fly back there and get there for the first few days, I'm I'm just happy. It's just it's a happy feeling to be there because. Um, it's one of those things that I don't think we can really explain, but when you spend so much time working and putting time into a team that is on the other side of the world, it's, you do have that connection, even if uh, you haven't been there before. So I hundred percent understand that. But, uh, I listen, I, I'm probably, and I say this all the time, but I'm probably going to annoy you again at some point over the off season to get you back, man. But, uh, it, as I said, right from the top, it's been far too long before I, I extended the invitation to come on here today and I'm, I'm not surprised at all that I did no planning and I could probably still talk bucks with you for like another couple of hours, man. This has been fun. Oh, it's been a lot of fun and thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for the very kind words. Like Locked On Books is a staple of the books community, even predating you. I mean, Frank, Eric have only ever been good to me. So uh, I really appreciate it. And also you in particular, like the likes of you, the likes of Eric, the likes of Matt Velasquez, doing what I've done would be impossible from the other side of the world if there weren't such great people on the ground for so much of that time as well. So it's great to be able to talk to you about some of that, about what's to come, um, but particularly because I know more than most, you you have the kind of perspective of what it's like to just kind of strangely fall in love with this sports <laughs> team on the other side of the world and have to uh, follow it in some ways. Winning Six podcast, by the way, you didn't mention that. I did. I did mention it, but I'm glad you mentioned it again. I won't, I won't have any complaints about that. It's 8, 10 a.m. I guess I fell asleep for a few seconds there, but uh, that's, that's great. Winning Six podcast. Make sure you check that out. Jordan has been on the podcast before as well. So just a couple of good blokes talking about the Bucks as, uh, you know, whatever. This is, this is what we do here. People link up all over the world to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Who would have thought? Uh, Adam McGee, again, you won't be able to follow his work for too much longer at Behind the Bucks Pass, but Behind the Buck Pass, but yes, Definitely check out the Win in Six podcast. He'll be back. Uh, as far as tomorrow goes, looks like Zora Stevenson is going to join us again tomorrow on the podcast. If for any reason, I, I don't know if you have any questions, if there's anything you want to throw at Zora, feel free, feel free to hit us up at Locked on Bucks on Twitter and we can throw some stuff at Zora tomorrow. That should be a lot of fun. Till then, stay safe out there as always and we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.